So let's reach a million people for Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Let's stand and welcome. Come on, stand and welcome Pastor Jim and Pam. Thank you. All right. God bless you. Thank you. All right. Thank you, Father. Check, 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 check. Well, what a delight. You may be seated. It's good to be home. Oh, I, we can't tell you how much we love you. As we go hither and thither, whatever, <laughs> sound like Dr. Seuss, <laughs> there is no place like home. Amen. And guys, we just want to tell you, God is doing something remarkable. He's doing something miraculous in the midst of the total upending and usurping as life as we know it. The church of Jesus Christ is rising. Amen. The church is simpler, purer, and rawer than it's ever been. The need for programs and this thing and that thing are gone. People want to know the living, powerful Lord Jesus Christ. And those that spend time with him will rise up and meet the challenge of not only their day, but the day that the church is now living in. And it is so wonderful to see what God is doing across the nation in churches all over. And we got something very special here. And we don't realize how special it is until you go and you see others. Churches. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Well, thank you, Pam. We are so delighted uh, to be with you today. And I want to welcome those that may be watching online this morning. But, um, you know, things, uh, God is so faithful to us. Uh, When we first began reaching out with our ministry, we were in New Jersey, and this was the early part of March. And then this whole COVID thing hit, and everything changed. You know, a lot of opportunities that were there closed for for the immediate time but uh we said you know we're going to we're going to head up to Maine and uh so we went up to Maine we were supposed to preach the following week in uh, Connecticut we said we're going to go up and we're going to spend some time uh up in Maine and so we did and we ended up being up there for 5 weeks and uh had the opportunity to be with my dad and spend time with him spend 5 weeks with him and and what a wonderful time that it was. And he went uh, to be with the Lord uh, in June. So uh, it was, you know, God is so faithful. He's so faithful to us. You know, we obeyed his call when he uh, called us to leave. And one of the scriptures that he had given uh, was, whoever leaves father and mother or lands for my sake shall receive a hundredfold more. In this life, and God has, has multiplied so much uh, back to us, and even in that, He was faithful uh, to allow us. My mom passed in January, and we got to be there at her bedside when she passed. 
We got to be there with my dad when he passed and spend some time with him. So, you know, God is always faithful. You know, it, it's not a sacrifice to serve the Lord. There's, there's great blessings in being obedient to uh, God's calling and his plan and his sp- specific purpose uh, to us. So uh, this morning, well, let's just pray. Father, we are so grateful today, Father, that you are here with us. You said when we gather in your name, you are there in our midst. And so we acknowledge your presence today, Father. God, we thank you today, Father, that you give us utterance and you give us eyes to see, Father. Thank you for the spirit of revelation, Father, in the knowledge of you today, Father. God, I thank you that you anoint my lips to speak. And Father, may you be glorified in all we say and do. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Uh, So, uh, PowerPoint folks, just work with me here. Before I go any further, uh, Pastor Jason was talking about the upcoming series that they're planning to do on end times. And I thought, you know, that really... kind of ties in with what I want to share today because I want to talk about having grace and peace in our life. So regardless of what the future is, regardless of of what might be forthcoming, uh, we've seen so many changes in our world. You know, God does not want us to lose peace in our hearts. And uh, you don't have this scripture, so I'm just going, going to read it from Luke 21, verse 25. It says, And there will be signs in the sun and the moon and in the stars and on the earth, distress of nations with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring, men's hearts failing from fear and the expectation of those things which are coming on the earth, for the powers of heaven will be shaken. So, you know, God does not tell us that to, uh, to instill fear into our life, but, you know, thank God for the word because it gives us news before it happens. Because God's word to us is not uh, to lose the grace and the peace of God in our heart and in our lives. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. I want to talk about grace and peace salutations. Now, salutation is a greeting. It's a greeting. And one of the things that God's Word says to us in Second Peter chapter 1 and verse number 2, he says, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. So even though I read that scripture, I mean, I don't know the timeline on any of that. I mean, look at how much our world has changed. I guess it just uh, shows us how quickly things can change. So I don't know. I'm I'm looking forward to Pastor Jason's series because he's going to tell us the exact time. And so we're going to know all this stuff. So I'm not going to miss it. I'm so, I'm so excited about that. But regardless, you know, regardless if, if it's, you know, one year, 10 years, 100 years, you know, regardless of what that timeline is, 
God does not want for us to lose the grace and the peace. In fact, he, said he wants it to be multiplied in our life. Turn around and tell your neighbor, multiplied. So the word multiplied means to increase, to circulate more and more. It's the same word that is used in Acts chapter 6 when it says the number of the disciples was multiplied. And, and so, so God's word to us is that his grace and his peace in our hearts would just exponentially continue to, to, to explode within us. God doesn't want us, in fact, the word says, be anxious for nothing. And so, so notice what this scripture says, it is multiplied to you in the knowledge. And so that's why knowledge is important. That's why knowing, Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth will liberate you, it'll set you free. It'll set you free from anxiety. It'll set you free from care. It'll set you free from from, you know, from, from just carrying a sack of weight on your shoulders. And so, you know, as you, as you look at the, the scriptures, and as you, as you look at the letters in the New Testament, it is absolutely amazing that just about every single one of them begins with this salutation, grace and peace. Go to uh, PowerPoint 4. Grace and peace. Uh, I just wrote some of these scriptures down, but every single one of these letters, not only those of the Apostle Paul, but uh, Peter and, and, and John in the book of Revelation, it, that, that ought to be something that would catch our attention. Every single one of these letters begins with this salutation, grace and peace, grace and peace, grace and peace in your life. So regardless of, you know, what, what we look at end time events, we see things happening on around us, God does not want for us to lose this sense of, of his grace and his peace in our heart and in our life. Man, that's, that's so powerful. That's so powerful. And, and, and so grace, uh, one of the definitions of grace is the divine influence upon the heart, the divine influence upon the heart, and its reflection in your life. You know, so when I looked that up, I thought about, you remember the song, and, you know, we did, uh, we did some kids' church a long time ago. If you're happy and you know it, Clap your hands. But if you're happy and you know it, then your face will really show it. Right? So, so grace is, is it's the divine influence upon our heart and, and its reflection in one's life. So, so uh, you know, going back, don't go back there. But, you know, it says that grace and peace is multiplied in the knowledge. That's why, that's why not just kind of 
picking up my Bible every now and then, uh, or, you know, fellowshipping with believers, that ought to be, that's got to be a regular part of our life. It's got to be a regular part of our life, because I, I don't know about you. I mean, there's times when I've, it seems like I've lost that sense of peace in my heart, and I've got to go back and be reminded. I've got to go back and be reminded of, of what the truth is, because grace and peace are multiplied through knowledge. Uh, and then peace, peace is, is quietness. It is, is rest. It's freedom from anxiety and inner turmoil. It's freedom from worry in one's life. Freedom from worry in one's life. And I, I love what Pastor Jason shared, how he goes on these morning walks, and he said he almost fell down in the middle of the road. Well, I did that. <laughs> I got the t-shirt. <laughs> they found me in the middle of the road. But, um, but, but at any rate, uh, uh, peace is, is, a, is, a, is a quietness, and it's a freedom from anxiety, inner turmoil, freedom from uh, worry. In fact, uh, one of the definitions of, of peace, it's expressed with, with an idiom. And here's, here's what, that, what that idiom, you know, different languages. One of the things that I've been doing is, uh, is learning French. Je parle français un peu. <laughs> and that was a delight uh, for me to spend that time with my dad before he passed because, you know, he, both he and my mom spoke French fluently and I just never picked it up. You know, I look back and I think, you know, what a dummy, you know. I should have I embraced it more than I did, but I'm learning it now and I'm, I'm really enjoying it. So I would sit with my dad and, and I would, you know, speak French and he'd correct me and what a wonderful memory that, that I have. You know, God is, is so faithful in, in that regard. But uh, different languages uh, use different idioms or ways to express things. And one of the ways that peace is expressed in other languages is to sit down in the heart. I like that. To, to, peace is to sit down in the heart. In other words, your heart isn't, you know, your heart's not, you're not full of anxiety and your heart's, you know, no, your, your heart is quiet. I like this one, to rest in the liver. You don't, you don't, you don't have quiver in the liver. You have rest. See, it's talking about an inward thing. See, it's talking about something on the inside of you. You can have that, you can... You can have no quivering in the liver, or you can have rest on the inside. The world can be, you know, you can be going through a Job kind of thing. In fact, that's what God is showing us. That's why he's given that example, because in spite of what may be going on around you, God's word to us, and, and again, let's be reminded, every one of these letters, they begin with grace and peace, grace and peace, grace and peace. That tells me God does not want us living in anxiety, worry, care, concern, carrying burdens in our life. And I think, 
as I think about this, and the Bible talks about the importance of our meeting together to be reminded of these things and so much more as you see the day approaching. In other words, the opportunity to take on this anxiety and care and these burdens, that opportunity is going to more and more present itself, uh, but, but that's not the direction. God never wants us to head in that direction. He wants us to, to be rooted uh, in his word. In fact, I don't have this, so don't, don't look for it. On uh, Colossians 3.15 says this. It says, let the peace of God rule in your hearts to which also you were called in one body. Isn't that good? He said, let it rule. Uh, and, and literally, that, the wording there is, let it be the empire. Let it be, don't ever do anything out of haste or anxiety. Don't ever do anything because, you know, I feel pressured, you know, to, to do this. Got to do this, you know, right now. No, let the peace, let the peace of God be, be the empire uh, in, in your decisions in your life. And, uh, and again... Uh, it is so important for us to go back, to go back to God's word and to know God's word, to be reminded of what God says on this subject, because otherwise the external circumstances will, will dictate, they will prevail, and, and they will pressure your life. And so we, we need, we need to, uh, to continually be reminded. Jesus says that grace and peace is multiplied in the knowledge of God, in the knowledge of God. You see, that's why, that's why the devil does not want for us to be aware of the truth. That's why he doesn't want us, he wants us to forget about this, you know. Uh, the word says this, it says in, in Hosea 4, 6, People are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. It says in Isaiah 5.13, people have gone into captivity because they have no knowledge. So, so we're going we're gonna to continue to grow in our knowledge, be reminded of him. You know, I'm sure every single one of us have had times when you sat down, and I love the, the uh, devotion, the, the reading guideline, uh, and that's great. And I like the grace, the way you're presenting it, you know. Now, Pastor Jason's doing it the right way. You've got to check every one of those boxes. Okay. So, <laughs> so you know, we could take a vote on this, and it probably would be, you know, 50-50. You know, some folks would go, man, that's exactly, how can you not, how can you not check that box? And others are going, are you kidding me, you know? So there's no right or wrong way, you know. The, main, the, the wrong way is if you forget about the word, you know, and, and, and things begin to pile up in your life and you become anxious and, and you become careful. And God don't, wants us to be, he wants us to be carefree. So grace always brings benefits in our life. It's, it's, it's all in the first benefit, grace and peace. And the first benefit of grace is peace. Grace, grace is, you know, God's riches and God's lavish abundance upon us. And, and so 
that's the first, that's the first expression of his grace. And what I want to share with you on this morning, I want to spend a little bit of time talking about uh, what is the fullest expression of God's grace in our, in our life? What is the, the fullest expression? And I would say this, the new covenant is the highest expression of God's grace in our life. Now, one of the things that people say, what have you been studying and what, what you've been... I've, been... I've been focusing on what is the new covenant? Because if we, if we know what the new covenant is... I mean, that, that's going to make you rock solid in, in your walk. That will cause you to, to, to know what God has promised to do and what he is doing in and through your life. And so a covenant is a formal agreement between two or more parties to do or not to do something. So what, the reason that I say that the new covenant is the highest expression of God's grace is because God has committed himself to do certain things in our life. Let me give you an example of that. You remember the flood, Noah's flood. When when the earth was was totally flooded, all humanity except for seven people uh, perished in that flood. Can you imagine... Maybe uh, the anxiety in, in Noah's heart and his family, is this ever going to happen again? I mean, holy mackerel, what, a, what, a, what an event this was. Could this, will this ever happen again to us? And God made a covenant with Noah. He made a covenant with Noah. And he gave them, he gave them something to remind them. Now, when God makes a covenant, what, God has, what, he, what he has done is he has committed himself. He will do or he will not do certain things. And God, the first thing that he did, imagine this anxiety in their life after going through such a, a, a frightening event. Is this ever going to happen again? God made a covenant with them. He said, I will never again flood the earth. You see, the reason that he made that covenant because he wanted to allay their anxiety, their uncertainty, and any fears in their life. In fact, he gave them a symbol to remind them. I know that, you know, there are some groups that are trying to hijack the rainbow symbol, but that symbol is a reminder to us of God's covenant promise. Never again will the earth be flooded as it was. So, so what that, when I talk about grace, you know, people say, well, God can do anything. No, God can't flood the earth totally again. Why? Because he's bound himself in covenant that he never again will do that. So that ought to, that, that ought to allay any anxiety. And so when God puts himself into a position where he has sort of, in a way, cornered himself, I'll not do such a thing. That's, a, that's an indicator of God's grace. Somebody say, well, he'll do whatever he wants. No, he won't. Because he's put himself in a position where he's bound himself that never again is that going to be another event. 
another example of that is Abraham. Abraham. Uh, you remember when, when Abraham came out, he met the king, and, and uh, God, uh, Abraham was uncertain. Abraham was uncertain. You know, God had promised that they'd have a child, but man, it had been a long time, and things hadn't happened. And so God said, get the animal, split the animal. God walked through the midst of that. God made a covenant with Abraham. And, and, and what, he, what he essentially did by entering into that covenant was he bound himself that I am, you are going to have a child. And Abraham, you know, the Bible says in, in the book of Romans, against hope he believed. The reason he could be, have that kind of unshakable confidence against hope, against any natural logic that they're going to have a child is because God had bound himself in covenant that this is going to happen. That's an amazing thing. That's, that is an expression of God's grace where God not only gives a promise, but God, but God puts himself on the line that, that if I don't do this, I can't imagine what could happen. God cannot lie. He can't lie. So he not, it's greater than a promise. It's God putting, you know, even more assurance on that promise. And that's what a covenant, that's what, that's, that's what a, that's what a covenant uh, is. And when Jesus, when Jesus, that, that night uh, of the Last Supper, the Bible says in Luke 22, 20, Jesus took the cup after the supper saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you. Wow. Wow. Jesus said, this is not only the new covenant, it's in my blood. And so that ought to, what that, what that says to me is, I want to know what is in this covenant. Because these aren't just promises. These are, these are things where God has has put himself in a position that he's bound himself to fulfill what he said he will do in this. This is powerful. I think, I think, I think uh, learning, we need to learn more specifically, and we're going to talk a little bit about that this morning. What is the new covenant? I'm not going to be here all morning with you, but I'm going to highlight this morning, what is the new covenant? What is the new covenant? Because I think it's so, so important that we have this settled in our heart and in our life. What has God said that he will do? And first of all, you remember what we call, you know, this is actually, this is our Bible. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. <laughs> you want to hear more of that? Come tonight. Brother Paul will... Get you all filled in on that. Glory be to God. You don't want to miss it. But um, the, the, old co- this is the, the old covenant, you know, last year, we got to go to Mount Sinai. We were actually at Mount Sinai where Moses went up and got the Ten Commandments and God, you know, uh, gave them. That was the old covenant covenant. 
That was the old covenant. And that, what an experience uh, that was for us. And the Bible says in Hebrews 8 and verse number 7, For if that first covenant had been faultless, there would no place have been sought for the second. So how many of you know we're not living under that old covenant? That's not where we live now. In fact, the scripture, our scripture here tells us, you know, that covenant had, had faults. It wasn't, it wasn't the best. It wasn't the best. So we're not living there. And it's so important that we understand as believers the covenant that we're living under. And what are, what are the conditions of that covenant? That first covenant was made at Sinai, and that first covenant required men to do good, but it did not provide the life or the power for them to fulfill its demands. In fact, the Bible says in Romans 10, 5, for what the law, when it makes reference here to the law, it's making reference to that first covenant, which we no longer live under, could not do and that it was weak through the flesh. It placed demands. You know, I, I, I know a lot, of, uh, a lot of folk who are still living with an old covenant mindset think, well, if I could just try harder, if I could just work harder, if I could just, if I could just you know, measure up. The Bible says the law, it could not do and that it was weak through the flesh. God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and a kind of sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. So that, that old covenant was really given to show men their inability to hold up their part of it. It did not give them the power. It did not impart the life or the strength for them to fulfill it. I mean, it was destined... It was destined for failure. It was intended to lead them to Christ. And so that is the first covenant. We're not living there anymore. We don't live under the first covenant anymore. Um, In Hebrews chapter 8 and verse 10 through 12, we're going to read through this. This is a quote from Jeremiah, the book of Jeremiah, which foretold what God was going to do for us in the new covenant. And and here it is. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I'll put my laws in their mind and I'll write them in their hearts. I'll be their God and they shall be my people. Keep going. None of them shall teach his neighbor, and none of them his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for all shall know me from the least of them to the greatest. Verse number 12. For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness, and their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. Now that, that is the essence, that is the heart that is the new covenant. That is the, that is the new covenant. Now, 
Verse number 12. Verse number 12 tells us how God is going to accomplish what he promises to do in verse 10 and 11. So let me just look here at verse 12 with you. First of all, God says, I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their lawless deeds. I will remember no more. <laughs> Man, I'll tell you what. That is powerful. That is, that is, that is cleansing. Don't go, don't go forward yet. I want you to go back. That is how God is going to accomplish, verse 12, total forgiveness. This tells us how he's going to accomplish what he's going to do. Now go back to verse 10 and 11. And it tells us, verse 10, this is the covenant, God says, I will put my laws in their mind and write them in their hearts. God's going to do something on the inside of us. He's going to do something on the inside. I will be their God and they shall be my people. Go to the next one. None shall teach his neighbor, none shall teach his, know the Lord. All will know me from the least to the greatest. So go to PowerPoint 16. Here's what the new covenant is all about. This is the new covenant. The new covenant is total cleansing. Man, I'll tell you what. The new covenant is total. You know, we preach on righteousness. Why? Because we're trying to get people established in what the essence of the New Testament is. So many people have not been New Testament taught are still struggling with, you know, is God holding my sin over me? You know, is God, is God angry? Has God forgotten, you know, the past? No, what the New Testament is, is the first, the first thing it is, is about absolute, total cleansing in our life. That's why God can do the other parts of this. Because he makes us right. And it's not because what we did, it's because what he does for us. It's what he does. That's why, that's why the old covenant had faults, because it was about, if a man shall do it, he shall live. But nobody could fulfill and do it. So you kept failing, and you kept being reminded every year of sin. But that's not the new covenant. The new covenant is total cleansing. Go to 17, PowerPoint 17. Here's what God says. I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their lawless deeds. I will remember no more. Man, that's powerful. God's not remembering our past. God's not pulling up a file from the past. In fact, we remember what God forgets and then we forget what God has said. And that's why it's so much, that's why it's so much the more as you see the day approaching that we stay focused on what God's word says. Because circumstances scream all around us. And, you know, and to me, I think the biggest, the biggest tool the enemy is using today is distraction in our life. It's distraction. And so we need, to, we need to keep our focus. God says, I will keep them in perfect peace whose mind is stayed upon me because he trusts in me. 
Amen? So, so the, new, the new covenant, first and foremost, is first, first of all, it is about total forgiveness. Ephesians 1.4, go to 18. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy without blame before him in love. Hallelujah. If you've received Jesus, you know, here's what, here's what go to 19. Here's what Jesus said. You are already clean because of the word which I have given, which I have spoken to you. Wow, that's powerful. That's powerful. You know, we, t- we teach over and over again righteousness. And, but, but the reason why that is so important is because it is, it is really foundational. It is the essence of what uh, the New Testament is all about. It's understanding that that positions you to, 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 to live a, a life, uh, there, you know, without a sense of guilt or condemnation. Now, thank God. If we do miss it, 1 John 1, 9, he's faithful and he's just to forgive us and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. The second part of what is the essence of the New Testament is the new covenant is life and it is power. It's life and it's power. Hebrews 8.10 says, For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I'll put my laws in their mind and write them in their hearts. I will be their God and they shall be my people. So one of the things that God does, Romans tells us, uh, is that the law of the spirit of life God puts life on the inside. You know, there's a law of life. Just like there's laws for different things. There's the law of the spirit of life because God puts life on the inside of you. There's a law of life on the inside. That's why we need to learn to be led. Listen, learn, you know, thank God for the inner witness, the inner leading, the voice of God on the inside. I wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for that. Pam's cooking a meal, and, and she has an awareness, something's wrong. Go find Jim immediately. She has life. Every one of you, if you're born again, you have life on the inside. There's a law of life. And, and I think we need to learn to let that life flow through our, through our mind. That's why we need to renew our mind. Because if your mind is not renewed in the word of God, that life that's inside of you stays bottled up within. If you don't understand what what God has done, that life is not able to freely flow through you. If you're just trying to live by in accordance with just trying to do my best I can and not falling on the grace. Thank God for Jesus, what he's done. And you just let God flow through your heart and through your life. I mean, this is the new covenant. This is what the new, there's a law of life. Um, Go to, uh, I'm almost done here. Go Go to 31, PowerPoint 31 here. Almost done. 31. 
For it is God who works in you. He works in you both to will and to do his good pleasure. He works inside of you. The Old Testament was on the outside. The New Testament is on the inside. And that's why, that's why, you know, why is quiet time important? Because you begin to learn to hear the still small voice. You, you begin to, you, you, you begin to put, shut out the distractions. Uh, uh, you, you, you allow the spirit of life to flow through you, touching your mind, touching your body. You, you know, uh, We've received not this, but the spirit that we might know, or it's God that works in you. Go to the next one. It's God who works in, no, no, go, go back to the previous one. Go back to the previous one. It's God who works in you. This is the new covenant. It's God working in you. I think most of us need to become better acquainted with the greater one on the inside. Learning to yield to him. Learning to uh, yield to him. Let him have his way in our life. Uh, Go to 32. I love this. This is another way of of, uh, the, the anointing. First John, do you have that one? Should be there. Hallelujah. There you go. But the anointing which you've received from him abides in you. What is the anointing? You see, again, the old covenant was about external things. This new covenant is all about what God has done on the inside and what he's doing on the inside. And the anointing, that's the influence of the presence of God on the inside of you. What you've received... It abides in you, and you do not need anyone to teach you. Now, does that mean we don't need teachers in the body? Of course not. The Bible says he's given teachers. But think about this new covenant where, in comparison to the old covenant, that if you were going to get information from God, you had to go to a priest, and you had to, you, because he was anointed, you had to find somebody that was anointed. No, the Bible says, now we're all kings and priests. This doesn't mean that we don't need teachers in the body, but what this means is that God will teach and guide and direct you. But as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things and is true, is not a lie, just as it has taught you, you will abide in him. That's powerful. It's, that's powerful. That's powerful. So, first of all, the new t- it's, it's cleansing, uh, it's life, and uh, it's power, and it is inner knowledge. It's inner knowledge. Go to 20, verse, the 27th one, 27th one. It's life and power, and it is inner knowledge. And here's what he said in Hebrews 8.11. None of them shall teach his neighbor, teach his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for all shall know me from the least to the greatest of them. Not only that you're going to know God, but you're going to know what he's done and what he's doing for you in your life. What he's doing. 
1 Corinthians chapter 2, number 31. It says, we've received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. Isn't that powerful? So, so we have cleansing, we have life and power, and we have inner knowledge on the inside. Man, this is, this is awesome. This is just, this is, this is amazing. And, and so, you know, a lot of times we, we try to, uh, uh, we live under Old Testament guidelines when that's not where we are anymore. We're living, we're living in the New Testament. I love the way that the Apostle Paul uh, wraps up. I, I'm giving away my, my personal feeling about row Hebrews chapter 11. But uh, <laughs> Hebrews chapter 13, go there and we're going to finish up with this. Look what he says. Now may the God of peace who brought up our Lord Jesus Christ from the dead that great shepherd of the peace through the blood of the everlasting covenant. See, God, what he's saying, God wants us to be established in, in living under this new covenant. Make you complete in every good work. Make you complete. Why? Because it's God's working in you. He's working in you. Make you complete in every good work to do his will. See, I, 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 we need to learn. You know, it, it is well, it is best for us to yield to him. You know, to, to run things by him. To let his peace rule our hearts and in our lives. Because that's what the New Testament is all about. Make you complete. Working in you what is well-pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ. To whom be glory forever and ever Amen. Praise God. Powerful. Powerful. And finally, go to number 35. Now may the God of peace himself give you peace always. And in every way, as we walk in the light of the new covenant, as we, as we learn to be led by his spirit, as we learn to obey the things that he's showing us to do, as we learn to yield to him, I mean, God wants us to have peace flowing in our, in our life. Grace and peace. Grace and peace. Not anxiety. Not care. Not worry. Uh, but the Lord himself giving you peace always and in every way, the Lord be with you always. Praise God. Thank God for the New Testament. Amen. Thank God for the New Covenant the Word of God. So I just encourage you today, you know, as you're reading through the Bible and you run against uh, scriptures and things that speak to this, take some notes and be thinking like a New Testament person. Be thinking, be under, position yourself properly. This is where I now live. I live in the new covenant. It's so much better, praise God. It's far better and God's working in me to will and to do his good pleasure. Amen. Amen. Pastor Jason.